Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guest is Kristen Dolan, who just passed her one-year anniversary as CEO of AMC Networks. It's been a roller coaster ride for her from day one as she plugged back into the world of cable programming at a fraught moment for the sector. But it's a world she knows well, having started her career as a marketing executive for Cablevision, AMC's former parent company. She is a member by marriage of the Dolan family that controls AMC Networks. Kristen Dolan rose through the ranks at Cablevision for 16 years. She was a key player in orchestrating its record-setting sale to Altice in 2015. After that, she launched her own data analytics and marketing firm, 605. But her new gig is also a homecoming after more than three decades. The earliest days of her career were spent in affiliate marketing for AMC, back when it was, in fact, a channel primarily devoted to American movie classics. AMC's recent fourth quarter earnings report lays out the company's challenges. Linear cable is shrinking, and ad sales across the industry have been in a slump for more than a year. But Dolan sounded nothing but confident on February 6th as we spoke at the Langham Huntington Hotel in Pasadena, just before AMC Networks did its Television Critics Association presentation. Dolan has faith in the company's ability to, quote, be the French fries to anyone's happy meal, end quote. That means she knows that AMC's streaming bouquet of channels will have to be bundled with bigger engines over the long term. Our conversation also touches on the future of IFC Films and her interest in Zumo, the new app bundling streaming box option that cable giants Comcast and Charter are pushing. So don't touch that dial. We'll be back with AMC Network CEO Kristen Dolan after the break. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. 
Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 1067 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. And we're back with Kristen Dolan, CEO of AMC Networks. Kristen Dolan, CEO of AMC Networks. Thank you so much for making time for me today. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate anything to do with variety. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Well, you had me at, at you had me at variety. <laughs> since it's been just about one year since you took the reins of AMC Networks, I would love to get your impressions having you worked for many years at Cablevision, one of the largest and most innovative cable system operators. After that, you launched your own marketing and data, data analytics firm, 605. I would love those experiences that were connected, but a little bit outside of the Hollywood and the programming business that AMC is squarely in. What, coming into taking the reins at AMC Networks, what were your perceptions of the programming business, how, how cable TV and the content business makes money versus the kind of businesses that you had previously worked in? Oh, what, what are the distinctions there? Great question. Um, yeah, they've always been inextricably entwined. So even when I was at Cablevision, when I ended my career there, when we sold the company, I was at, in the chief operating officer role. So I had oversight over the programming department um, as well as ad sales. Um, you know, the call centers, the guys in the trucks, um, certain aspects of inside and outside plant and, you know, the whole gamut. And so I actively participated in our negotiations with programmers for, for a number of years. And then to your point, I worked at AMC Networks the first eight years of my career. So I understood the programming side. Um, but the thing I say a lot is that I'm not a content person. Right? So I know what I like. But I'm much more, I spend a lot more of my time in what we lovingly call the engine room. So working on the infrastructure and really at this point in time, we focus a lot on the transition from what used to be a B2B business in programming where you'd sell to distributors and they were responsible for the relationship with the customer. Basically wholesale model, right? Exactly. And now it's much more of a B2C, even if... Like with AMC Networks, our goal is to get our content in as many platforms with as many partners as possible. And I'm a big fan of the wholesale model for a bunch of reasons, which we can get into later. Um, but really focusing on on what the end customer is interested in, whether it is an up and coming virtual MVPD, whether it's a traditional distributor like a Charter or a Comcast who's reevaluating their approach to the marketplace. As a programmer, we have to be aware and available to engage in a, a much wider variety of ways than we would have in a traditional cable system or satellite system 15 years ago. So coming in, it's a long-winded answer to your question, but I feel like the, the 
parts of my career that you pointed out are ones that really got me, I think, ready to take this. It was the right time for this job um, at this at this point in our industry. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's been a fun, a fun year, busy year. It's it, well, there's a lot going on in the business. And then for six months of last year, there was a whole lot not going on in production. Let me ask you kind of the fundamental dilemma right now for AMC Networks, for Paramount Global, for a lot of companies invested in the world of traditional pay, what was traditionally known as pay and basic cable. You know, that transition right now, as audiences are going more and more to streaming platforms, the you know, the economics of that transition or something we write about in Variety literally every day. We do most, most podcast episodes of this podcast are dedicated to that. How are you balancing those demand curves? Linear is obviously still a profitable business, but it is a shrinking business just given the macro audience trends. And streaming is very, very challenging and very, you know, a very voracious eater of capital. Yes. How are you balancing those demands in a company of the size of AMC Networks, which by design has always been a little more boutique than than some of your larger rivals? That's the question of the day. So we're actually really confident about our approach because in a weird way, smaller is better for us. Um, We're not vertically integrated, so we're not owned by a broadcaster. We're not owned by a distribution company. So we can really partner with anybody on bundles and packages for our streaming services. But we've never um, decoupled linear from streaming in any of our relationships, right? So at this point, the bulk of our partners in the U.S. have access both to AMC Plus as well as our linear services, same as in Canada. And the services that we provide in streaming are Uh, They're beyond niche. I don't want to say that they're niche, Mm -hmm. but they provide specific content for very voracious audiences, right? So we have Shudder for horror. We have Acorn for British dramas. We have um, uh, All Black for Black audiences. Um, I could go through the whole list, but each of them is appropriately priced, so not super expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, It provides a very good value for what it is. Same with our linear services. Like the cost for the AMC suite of linear channels is significant significantly lower um, based on the performance that it does in ratings, right, than a lot of the other packages. So we've kept our traditional services and our new services together. And what I've been working on with the team over the past year is really looking at how we can better cross promote between linear and streaming and really, you know, kind of breaking down what had been you know, silos that were formed, not intentionally, but each linear network had its own team, even in our building, its own floor, not right. dissimilar to, you know, the old Viacom where it was like the Nickelodeon floor and the MTV floor and whatever. So you create these brand identities and teams that support them. But over time, we really realized it's the value of the full portfolio, right? And we can actually use our content in a variety of ways because the audiences don't necessarily cross over that much. So a show like Happy Valley, which is an incredible crime drama from the BBC, Mm -hmm. that can work really well on Acorn. It can also work well on BBC America. It had its time on AMC Plus, and the audiences don't necessarily overlap. So you're not cannibalizing yourself by putting really good content in different places and packaging it differently. So we've been doing a lot of that, and hopefully to the benefit of, you know, our distribution partners, our streaming customers, Mm -hmm. and to the business overall. Mm -hmm. One of the things that is we've talked about a lot is just what is a premiere 
in this day and age, right? So it's sort of the suits effect or the friends effect during the pandemic. It's like, it's a premiere for the first time when you see it for the first time. It's no longer Thursday nights at nine o'clock. And so as you comb through the library, um, and as an, uh, you know, as a parent of teenagers and also 30 somethings, like really seeing multi-generational viewing, like what can you introduce your kids to? What do they introduce you to? A lot of co-viewing and um, just really saying great quality content is great quality content. And generally, other than maybe the cell phone's really big, you wouldn't necessarily know <laughs> right. that it's just, it's, this show's 10 or 15 years old, right? If it, if it withstands time because it's good it will tend to have a life that goes on you know, for a long time, which is really an asset value. People are consuming more video than ever. I think it's just the platform that's changing. And so linear is still a very, very big piece of what we do, um, albeit one that is slowly declining. But the thing that I'm really optimistic about, again, maybe from being a cable operator for so long, mm-hmm. is, is products like Zumo, um, mm-hmm. what Comcast and Charter are doing to sort of I don't want to say obfuscate, but to eliminate people having to determine, am I watching it live? Am I watching it on linear? Am I watching it on demand? Am I watching it, you know, streaming? It's all just available through a good interface. You can upgrade, you can downgrade. Um, You have a person that will answer the phone if you have a problem. You have a technician you can call if something's not working right. And I feel like the opportunity for the distributors to create an environment that takes the angst and the stress and the complexity out for the average consumer will be really, really important in the coming years. Because people still are watching as much as ever. They're just watching it in different places. Right. And it and, and those places and times are different than they used to be and harder to capture. Do you think, I mean, is it too simple to say that the, the, the emergence of things like Zumo and the growth of the fast, the incredible, the, the very fast growth of all the fast channels is it too simple to say that this is an, a, a new form of bundling? It's absolutely everything old is new again. <laughs> it, it really is. And I think in the past, I think where we may have fallen short as a, as a cable industry was really in that user interface and the user experience. Because, you know, you remember back, again, we're, I've been around for a long time, but the idea like when DirecTV started bucketing things, you know, the 100 channels were this, the 200 channels right, were international, right. the 300 channels were sports or whatever it was. We made it easy for people to find what they needed and that's where the value perception improved. And so with Zumo or with YouTube TV or with Philo or any of these products, Roku does a really good job with their fast channels. I think making it easy for people to find what they want is going to allow the value perception to be strong enough that, that hopefully there'll be less of the sort of exhaustive churn and spinning and people, you know, signing up, signing down. So if it's if it's reasonably priced and a good experience, just like when the cable bundles came into play, it's like, you know, because everybody's doing the math now and saying, okay, I have this streaming service, this streaming service, this streaming service, now I am paying $180 a month for what I probably used to get in my cable bundle five years ago. And so I think the ship will write itself. It's just a matter of the technology and the presentation layer catching up to where it makes a consumer's life easier. You have been doing some experimenting with AMC Plus in terms of bundling, making it available. I know you've said that, you know, just ubiquity and making it available to where fans are is important to you. What you did a recent kind of an experiment with HBO Max in bundling the and, and making a version of the AMC Plus feed available to subscribers for a short amount of time. How did that come up and what did you learn from it? 
So that came up just, you know, casual conversation and an opportunity um, with David Zaslov and team to just try something out. So we took five series, um, older version, not older versions, but not current seasons mm -hmm. of some of our products. So we put five series on Max for two months mm -hmm. and to see just what it would do, both for viewership and engagement for the Max customers, but also for driving incremental viewership to AMC Plus and incremental signups for AMC Plus. So, you know, we had over the course of the two months, you know, anywhere from five to seven of the top 10 shows in viewership on Max during the duration. And then we did see that it benefited us on AMC Plus through new signups and also deeper engagement on the newer series. So, you know, an interesting partnership. We loved working with them. We, you know, we're gonna continue to pursue partnerships with others, but to really see, did somebody watch a prior season on Max, and we, you know, we were able to, in a privacy compliant way, share the data and then say, okay, did that person then come back to AMC mm -hmm. Plus for mm -hmm. season two of Dark Winds or, you know, season three of something else? And the other kind of nugget that was fascinating is a Discovery of Witches, which is an older show. It's five or six years old, got massive. It kind of had the suits effect. Uh -huh. Everybody watched mm -hmm. a Discovery of Witches on Max on the AMC Plus pop up. So, you find these little nuggets and you know they're fortuitous at times mm -hmm. might that partnership i mean might that partnership continue in some form i hope so we'll continue to talk to them and then we're talking to a lot of others but you know as we were talking during the course of this like the relationships that exist in the industry and people being creative and enthusiastic about testing and learning is really beneficial i think to everybody is there an appreciable difference in terms of the margins for for amc networks if you are distributed traditional, a charter, a Comcast, a, a, a Cox, a Altice versus being distributed by a YouTube TV or, or AMC plus being added into the number of the bundles that you now come in. Is there one, is there one area where it's sort of most lucrative for AMC networks or are they all about equal at this point? It's, we don't look at the partnerships by margin because mm -hmm. it's really hard to do that. So it's much more about we look at a piece of content, right? And this is one of the things that was really interesting for me to learn when I came into AMC Networks a year ago is like how to amortize content, right? Because when yeah. you go from like green light to production to airing right. to second window to multi years, it's like it's so like it takes two years to actually start to amortize something from when you first start thinking about it. And that two years can be two plus years, mm -hmm. right? So we don't really look at margins by distributors. We look at, okay, how effective is the content that we have and mm -hmm. where can we utilize it and what does it drive, right? So um, I just, again, for me, like I focus a lot on the business side mm -hmm. and I leave the content and, and creative work to other folks. But I think the programming, um, community is now starting to create some of the models, the financial models and uh, the analysis and the predictive um, analytics around what things will do and how they will be monetized and what are the right choices. Um, and so thinking about, again, like predictive churn analytics and things like that. If a show can have multiple windows, multiple legs, can be used on a variety of services, that's a big deal. Um, so to your point, like something like Mayfair Witches could work really well on linear AMC. It could work on Acorn because it's mm -hmm. got a little bit of, you know, the, the occult. So we have um, mm -hmm. between Sanctuary and a Discovery of Witches, like we kind of have 
we have witches, gay vampires, <laughs> and you know, and zombies are kind of like the something sweet spot forever. for us. Supernatural <laughs> flavor, yeah. But yeah. you can take something like that and yeah. you can sort of think about how can I flow this through in ways that it, it provides as much value as possible. So I think we look at things more about what we're creating and how we can use it to drive the business forward as opposed to specific margin analysis against a platform or a distributor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To your point about shows more so than, do you think in that world, is it is it still important for AMC, especially the Mothership AMC channel, is it still important for it to have that that profile, the reputation of home of edgy dramas, things you won't see anywhere else, talent that you'll take a real swing on with very, you know, offbeat efforts to, you know, offbeat storytelling. Yes, for sure. I mean, we're one of the few networks that still does scripted dramas, right? High quality scripted dramas. We run them on linear. They launch on linear. They're also on streaming. And we've really kind of preserved that commitment. We've never cherry picked out from our linear channels to put stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, first on, on streaming. And so for us, it's like we want to meet customers where they are with content that they appreciate. And then the legacy, to your point of what we've created in the past, the franchises that we've been able to create and the franchises that we continue to develop, whether it's Anne Rice or Orphan Black, mm-hmm. or um, we have, this will air after our press releases today, but yeah. we're, we have a couple of announcements, like we're doing a new series around the terror, so it'll be the third mm-hmm. time that we've done, you know, sort of horror-based scripted series that we're excited about. Um, so, you know, sort of advancing that, and then the talent that we've been so lucky to work with. So today we're talking about, on one of the panels, um, the new show with Giancarlo Esposito mm-hmm. called Parish, which mm-hmm. is not in the Breaking Bad, um, Better Call Saul family, but him as a character is so, you know, sort of inextricably connected to the types of dramas that we do, and this new show, Parish, is amazing. Um, but it's action-packed. You know, he's a driver. Mm-hmm. He's a former driver for the mob. And it's just, you know, when we watch this stuff, when we watch the screener copies and we see, like, you, it feels like AMC. You know what you're producing. And the same with We. You mm-hmm. know, we have some other exciting announcements today with We TV and our unscripted and then with All Black and our scripted Black content. And then, you know, as I said earlier, like, each of the brands has their sweet spot of what they're known for. Um, and so we want to continue to develop that um, so that even if a show is in a second window or a third window and it's on Netflix, you would still know that it's an AMC show just based on the type of, of content that it is. So it's really important to preserve that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let, I want to ask you about learnings from the a- AMC Plus now that it's been around for a couple of years. But before that, I want to ask you about has, I mean, you've talked any any of the major conglomerates, 2023 was a rough year in advertising. It was, you know, just the market was down. Any any sense of, do you see any green shoots in 2024? Do you see that? Is that sort of kind of depression in market or spending? Do you think is that going to hang in for the first quarter, second quarter? Please say no. Please say no. <laughs> well, you know, we love a political year. Yeah. Everybody does. So that's important. Um, you know, our, our advantage here, again, is technology. And that's one of the other things that I, I loved about coming back to AMC Networks is our head of advertising and our chief commercial officer both came from digital. And so they've been really proactive about things like we have national addressable. Um, you know, we're able to, to have that technology. We have programmatic. So we actually sell 
our advertising in the same way that digital providers sell. So like we monetize and optimize our inventory in ways that I think really punch above our weight. Even on linear? You on can linear, do yep. Mm-hmm. We do programmatic linear and then with the national addressable, you know, we're selling segments and you can insert nationally against a specific segment. And then obviously AMC Plus, uh, we launched our ad supported version of that in October. So that's mm-hmm. starting to roll out. So we're super creative in how we use the inventory and then how we deliver to our partners. So I think we do actually have opportunities to continue to advance on CPMs and different audiences and then provide really sophisticated analytics and reporting back to the advertisers to prove the value of what we've done for them so that we maintain a good relationship. We're not just selling spots and dots. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's near and dear to my heart after the 605 days. So I'm right. super proud of what the team is able to do and will continue to do um, with our new uh, head of uh, global technology in place, Stephanie Mitchko. Mm-hmm. So she was um, CTO at Cadent. She was SVP of software development at Cablevision, so she did our um, cloud-based DVR back in the day. And then oh, she yes, was, the, yeah. the lawsuit-provoking. <laughs> yes, oh yeah, my goodness. she spent many years. Um, but that is that. an example of how Cablevision was always, you know, pushing the edge for sure. Yep, exactly. So all of that experience in cloud-based, you know, now the world is basically mm-hmm. everything right. stored in cloud. And you, <laughs> you were ahead of the curve. <laughs> right. And then she went on for three years at Charter mm-hmm. as their CTO. So she understands interactive advertising. She understands streaming and all of that architecture. And then she understands traditional linear distribution. So having her coupled with this really brilliant advanced advertising team, we're like, okay, what's next? What can we do next? How can we build it? How do we sell it? Mm -hmm. And so I think your point about the industry and the challenges with advertising, I'm hoping the pendulum swings Mm -hmm. back, but I also think for us, we're extremely well positioned to continue to monetize the avails that we have in ways that are not only good for the partners, but also from a customer experience perspective. I love targeted advertising because I don't want to see ads that are completely irrelevant to me. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about incremental CPMs. It's about if you're putting content out on linear or on streaming, if people like I feel like Americans are very comfortable with that trade off, which is like if I get this show for free, the trade off is I will watch some commercials. Mm-hmm. But if they're actually relevant and interesting, it's so much of a better outcome than, you know, I put up with these ads, these ads, and I'm purposely going to leave the room because I know they're completely irrelevant for me. So I'm going to run and make my popcorn and run back in. Right. My days of buying Pampers are long gone. Exactly. So. Same. <laughs> gotcha. Do you think, is there any, I mean, there's certainly no shortage of programming outlets, but there is certainly among the number of, especially ad supported channels that are making high end scripted content. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that number has really shrunk just in the last 12 to 18 months, are you seeing any benefit from that being that you are still investing big in these very ambitious and very like, you know, high concept dramas that that are that have traditionally defined AMC's original strategy? I'd say the benefit for us is preserving the brand equity, right? We have these mm-hmm. revered brands that have been around forever. So, you know, not just AMC and WeTV, but Independent Film Channel and Sundance, um, BBC America, mm-hmm. like protecting and preserving those brands through the creation of high value content, I think is, is really important to us as a company. Mm-hmm. So we'll continue to do that. It's hard to say whether, you know, it's it's... The shows are great. They get good viewership. The fandoms, you know, again, are incredible, which is why it's so fun to be here at TCA and see a crowd waiting outside to see the talent. We've got to pause here for the sweet sounds of monetization. 
We'll be right back with more from AMC Network CEO Kristen Dolan. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. And we're back with more from the big boss of AMC Networks, Kristen Dolan. AMC Plus is going into its fifth year. Just sort of big picture stepping back. Are there are there big learnings for the broad business in terms of when you, when you can see literally watch people going to the show, how long they spend, how many how many episodes they sample after that, all of the connectivity that digital that digital brings you does that is that like an amazing font of information and inspiration or do, do you sometimes drown in data or i wish uh, sadly this is like actually a very loaded but very good question <laughs> because we are wholesaling right in a lot of cases from our direct to consumer customers we get all the information mm-hmm. you know again in a privacy compliant way but we can see who's watching what for how long, Mm -hmm. you know, what their engagement is and all of that. But it's challenging, I think, for us and for all distributors of streaming content when you're going through a partner because Amazon might give you the data this way. Apple might give it to you this way. Roku might give it to you that way. Somebody else might not give it to you at all. (laughs) So it's like, how do we construct arrangements so that we can aggregate all of that data and then couple it with the traditional linear data and really get to, again, what we did amazingly well with triple play products on the distributor side, right? To say, okay, TV, phone, internet, they use the internet this much, they're using long distance calling, they're using our free Wi-Fi. they order pay-per-view, like you start to create a CRM that really allows you to know and support your customer in ways that, you know, retention is much less expensive in the long run than acquisition, right? right. So, right. As we think about our business now, it's like, okay, how can we get the data that you're talking about and organize it in a way that allows us to preserve the relationships that we have to serve up the right stuff in front of people to give them, you know, through social media, through direct marketing, through earned media, a really good understanding of what we do and why they should care and keep them in the fold. And we're still, I think, like most um, programmers, we're still cobbling together from a variety of partners a wealth of data. But I wouldn't say it's organized in this lovely little database where we <laughs> right. can just go in and be like, tell me who watches Let me this. get some inspiration today. <laughs> exactly. yeah. Gotcha. I know this might be hard to answer, but do you have do you have a working timeline for for do you see that the that the business is inevitably shifting to streaming or do you think that linear may have a longer timeline than we think i've heard you know people say it's 5 years it's 10 years and i've heard others say no it's going to be longer and 
might plateau in the U.S. somewhere around 40, 50 million homes mm -hmm. that love their sports and love their, just want everything that the old-fashioned bundle uh, delivers. Yeah, that's it prognosticator question. I know that's, I know that's a crystal ball gazing I mean, question. I mean, is my number. I'd be thrilled if it settled at 50. Um, I think that, again, it's it's sort of up to the distributors to, to really win this. And that's mm -hmm. why, again, we're so, you know, we're big fans of Dish, Direct, and then what Comcast and Charter are doing, because I think they can create an environment where people don't necessarily have to change their habits, right? Kids are different. My kids watch everything on a tiny little screen. It drives me crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, I also think we media people that live in New York and L.A. and sort of we can spend 108, you know, and maybe some of us are allowed to expense it, right? Like you, <laughs> right. you can spend tons and tons of money to have everything. But, you know, there's still vast portions of the U.S. that aren't necessarily passed by broadband in a way that their primary mode of consumption is streaming. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think it, there's still room to kind of reconnect everything together where we can get to a place where linear levels out because people just habitually watch that way. And even with fast channels, right, it's the same thing. It's a grid exactly. with a whole bunch of channels, like thousands of channels. So it's almost like what you're doing hasn't changed. It's just how you're receiving it, whether mm -hmm. you're receiving it through satellite, right. through terrestrial, or through IP. It's just how do we organize it in a way that allows people to get what they want. And so if linear leveled around 50 million, um, for us, if we continue to create reasonably priced, attractive streaming um, you know, products that we can then bundle, because we always say we'll be the French fries for anybody's Happy Meal. Right? <laughs> so, you know, testing things That's out. That's a good with one. Max I haven't heard that or, one. <laughs> yeah, because we're, we're not huge and we're not 20 bucks a month. You know, we, we range, you know, below 9.99 or 8.99 a month. And then as we have ad supported versions, things are less expensive. So we're trying to avoid like the sticker shock at the end of the mm -hmm. month for people. Um, and we think the value is there for what we do. So it's a matter of focusing more on retention, telling our story, like we said, targeting people and saying, you know, you loved this, you should try this. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, having a great product on the street allows that to be so much easier. So it's just a matter of serving up people what they want in a way that helps them discover and appreciate what they have and then reasonably priced for good stuff. Ideally, that should should work. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about streaming. I'd love to ask you about IFC Films, kind of the future of that 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 division. I know it's been a real source of you know really distinctive movies over the year, Oscar contenders. Mm -hmm. But in this environment, especially with exhibition, the kind of the classic exhibition uh, business being really challenged, is IFC still a priority for you? Yes, films for certain are a priority. We're also partners with Bob Johnson on RLJE Films. So oh, between right. the right. two studios, we do you know, curate um, a wide variety of films that we use domestically, internationally. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to continue to be a priority because films are really what people watch. Um, interestingly, like the tentpole series are great and mm -hmm. they, you know, but you do a handful of those a year, maybe a few double digits of series, but what the bread and butter of the of the business is really the films. Is theatrical exhibition, is that still something that you're investing in? We still have the IFC Center, which, you know, is a landmark. You know, you lived in New York. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's still a cultural kind of tiny, but cultural mecca in New York. So mm -hmm. when we when we acquire films, generally we will do a release and if it does well then we might expand to, you know, to a wider distribution for films. Like we've had, you know, sort of 
unanticipated successes like last year we had Skinamarink, which was a horror film that we had licensed very inexpensively and it did you know over a million dollars in theaters and it was one of these sort of you know unanticipated successes right mm -hmm. so when those things happen we capitalize on them mm -hmm. um, but generally as you know like IFC films and RLG they're more they're not big blockbuster right. you know right. releases yeah yeah but, you know, going all the way back to my big fat Greek wedding mm -hmm. or, you know, we've just boyhood. boyhood. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, Kristen, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time. My last question for you is I would love to. Are there any things in your background, you know, earlier in your career or, or at any stage in your career, any things that you can point to that really prepared you for your job now, for the challenges that you face? Any Anything that comes to mind in terms of, of you know, early experiences, whether it be K-Vision or launching your own uh, data analytics company, mm -hmm. anything that stands out to you is really important in guiding you in this very, very fraught moment for the programming business. That's a good question. Um, I feel like everything I've done so far <laughs> kind of prepared me for this, including external boards. Um, so, you know, I was on the Revlon board for six or seven oh, years, uh, yeah. and then I'm on the Wendy's board. So, you know, big, heavy operating companies mm -hmm. that are also global. Yeah. So quite, having that experience, around yeah, world, yeah. Yeah. And both have had very interesting, especially in the past few years, Revlon going through bankruptcy and emerging. And so, um, between my own experience, you know, many years within the family companies, but also then having the board experience, um, I just, I feel like. I was ready um, mm -hmm. and thankfully just inheriting such an amazing team uh, when I came into the business and then having the legacy relationships with so many people, it's really been kind of, I think that's what prepared me. And I love our industry. We were talking about this before we started recording, right? Because I grew up with these people, right. you know, with a lot of them. So being able, it's still very collegial. So I can pick up the phone, you know, that's how the max. Um, you know, pop up with AMC and Max came about, it was David Zaslav saying, let's do something and we can pick up the phone and have that conversation. And the same goes for Paramount or for Charter or mm -hmm. for Comcast mm -hmm. or, you know, and then sort of meeting and introducing ourselves to the newer players in the marketplace. You know, we've had really nice relationships with Amazon and with Roku and with YouTube TV and Philo. And so it's it's kind of fun to build and, and activate relationships that you've had forever, but then also connect the dots for people um, as they're coming into the industry. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcast or Amazon Music. Please go to Variety.com and sign up for the free weekly Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.